welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23rd, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. Thank you for listening. Each year, thousands of people from across the country go to Florida seeking treatment for drug addiction. Some find help and recover, but the vast majority relapse and continue to struggle with the disease, even after going through treatment many times. This population is vulnerable through insurance fraud, through crooked treatment centers, partnering with body brokers and operators of sober homes to find patients with good health insurance. Brokers and sober home owners offer those trying to get clean free rent and grocery store gift cards, cigarettes, and even cell phones in exchange for going to a specific treatment center, which pays kickbacks for every client. My name is Greg McNeil from Cover 2 Resources. Today, we'll talk with filmmaker Pat McGee the producer of American Relapse, a feature documentary about the ripped-from-the-headlines heroin epidemic and the corrupt underground rehab industry that has sprung up around it in South Florida. So, Pat, welcome. Thanks for having me, Greg. I appreciate it. Okay. So, the film features Frankie and Allie, who are both in recovery themselves. They live in Delray Beach, Florida which is the rehab capital of America. Now, some people refer to it as the relapse capital of America. So, but you were allowed, your film crew was allowed access for one weekend. And over that 72-hour period of time, what you captured was really captivating and raw and really heartbreaking when it comes down to it. Um, With all the locations that you could have chose, why did you choose Delray Beach, and why did you choose Frankie and Allie to tell this story? That's a good question, Greg. I mean, I, I think, you know, as, as you stated, um, Palm Beach and the Delray area was once known as the rehab capital because of so many treatment centers down there. And what happened over the years is because there are so many treatment centers, uh, people came down and they relapsed and now became known as the uh, relapse capital. So there's a whole breeding ground down there um, of, you know, people relapsing and, and a community of people struggling with addiction. Um, you also saw, um, you know, um, a state like Florida that had loose uh, regulations and that basically allowed people that uh, didn't really want to do business and didn't have our children in the best interest to come down and really look at, at, uh, at your kids as a monetary figure. You know, they looked at kids, you know, struggling with addiction as $30,000, as $90,000, as $120,000 if they got them into treatment. So, you know, to your point or to your question, you know, Frankie and Allie, we really, you know, when we looked at doing American Relapse, we really wanted to tell this story and have American Relapse as POV not come from those at the top, not from the politicians, the doctors or the experts or the people with the PhDs, or even law enforcement, what we really want to do is we want to start at the very bottom and, and start from the bottom, you know, the people's POV 
that are really struggling from addiction that are helping other people struggling from addiction. So we could really see what's going on on the front line, on the streets. Um, and we were introduced to Allie by Jamie uh, and Ian Mannheimer. Jamie, uh, Jamie Mannheimer had went to high school with her at Boca Raton. And uh, he said, Pat, you should check this out. Uh, you know, Allie is in recovery. She's been sober and clean for 10 years and she's beating the odds right now. We just got done working on a show called 24 to Life where we were following people 24 hours before they're incarcerated. And um, we happened to be in Florida. So we drove across the state of Florida. We met up with, with Allie and she introduced us to, to Frankie. And we saw two people really at the, um, the opposite side of the spectrum of, of recovery. Allie, 10 years clean and sober, Frankie uh, battling hard, wanting to get clean, wanting to get sober, and uh, relapsing. So these two people knew the system so well that we thought what a great way into that world um, that was really an honest look into the world. When we're introduced to Frankie and Allie in the opening scenes of American Relapse, it's immediately clear we're in for quite a ride. My name's Allie, and I'm a recovering addict. And um, I got sober when I was 18 years old. My name's Frankie. Um, if you know South Florida, you'll probably find me like beating on the doors of a trap house on Southwest 9th Avenue. You'll find me in some really fucking sketchy, grimy areas, uh, just like uh, you'll find dope in those areas. I am deeply embedded with the Delray drug heroin scene. It's my job to be there. It's my job to uh, know what's going on, be in dangerous places. But I think I'm like a thrill person. So I like, I think it's fun, but everyone's like always worried. Like all my friends want me to get a new job. I'm a recovering addict. I need to work on my recovery, but I also, uh, it's very important for me to help other people. I kind of have a process when I speak with people that are looking to get help. I got addicts coming and going from my car. Um, my phone never stops ringing. I just try and let them know, like, dude, you're not alone. You're not like the first person that's ever gonna go through this. You're not the last. And I feel you, I understand you. You're no less than anybody. It, it, it doesn't stop for me. It's almost the same chaos as living in active addiction without the drugs, you know. As it went along, it was clear that Frankie was struggling. Did the crew and did everybody know that he was struggling at the time? Because looking at it and watching him sweat and everything, I kind of, in the back of my mind, I was saying, well, there's something going on there. Did you guys know? No, we didn't know. And, I mean, we thought he was struggling with something, we had no idea that um, after we found out that he was, he was uh, going to the bathroom and using, um, we literally found out in the, in the edit bay, uh, my co-director and editor, Adam Lincoln, how he, he basically found this, uh, this fight. It was a critical moment in the film when Frankie's mom says, we found a spoon in your car. Your girlfriend's going to test you. We didn't know that 
happened because we were running around so fast in the field that we found that months later. Um, so it really started to take place. I mean, I, I think, you know, and, and look, you know, it's like when, when you look at a storyteller telling something that they're not an expert, I'm not an expert in addiction or do I pretend to be, but you know, do I have family friends that struggle with addiction? Yeah. I'm like most Americans, um, that either are struggling and battling with drug addiction or they have a loved one or family member. So from that point, yes. But did I know that he was, he was using at that time? I had no idea. And I look back at it. I just say, are you kidding me? How could I not know from what I know now? But it sets everything up so perfectly. I mean, um, you're, you're blindsided by it. You're making a film about this and you didn't know what was right in front of your face. And that's what families are faced with every single day. And, you know, users are just so skilled at hiding it. They can hide it and keep it from the best of them, the most knowledgeable out there. And I think that that's part of the story. And it's not to damn someone for relapsing. We all know that relapse is part of this disease. That's just part of it. But it, it's interesting the way that you, you chose to tell the story this way and it just happened to work out that way because I, I think that all the signs can be in front of you and it's so easy to miss them because you can be convinced of things, you know, a reality that's this alternative reality that isn't the truth. And it, we're all guilty of, you know, going down that road because we want to, you know? I, I, think, I think that's such a good point because it was right in front of me, and look, I, I love Frankie. Frankie is uh, someone that I respect and care deeply about, and when that was going on, I had no idea. And in fact, right after that conversation that I didn't know it happened, um, because it was so fast in the field, he went up on, on stage and talked about how he lies and how he misleads people because he, in his own words, referred to himself as a junkie. Here's a clip from Frankie speaking at a meeting after he's relapsed. Thank you. Guys, my name's Frank, and uh, I'm a grateful recovering addict. Um, I'm a heroin addict, alcoholic, gambler, whatever you want to call it, man. Like, my disease tells me I need more. More, more, more. Feed me, feed me. Fuck you. Fuck your life. What you need to do, feed me more. And for me, you know, Christmas used to be, well... This aunt's gonna get me a gift card. I can sell that for 50 cents on the dollar. And I know grandma over here is gonna send me like 20 bucks, you know? And that was what my holidays consisted of, is what can I get so I can go out the next day or that night and trade all my gifts and everything? Um, you know, a lot of people wanna call this right now a heroin epidemic. You know, to me, it's more of a plague. This, this, this disease wants us dead. Just because we live this way, just because this happens, it doesn't mean that we're bad people, man. There's a lot of people out here that are recovering and have recovered. You know, um, here I am shooting a documentary with the camera crew, out taking people off the streets, getting them into rehab. Living a lie. Yeah, I mean, I relapsed. I stopped doing what I needed to do. You know, like, hey, I'll be right back, gonna go get some food go shoot a couple bags of dope and come back, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that's that's the whole thing about addiction. It's you learn to live a lie and get comfortable with that lie. Well, once I started lying to myself, 
I forgot that I was an addict. And uh, next thing you know, I had that fucking needle in my arm. He's not being Frankie. He's being someone consumed by this disease of addiction. And it's transformed him, and it's made him someone that he doesn't want to be. I mean, Frankie has told us again and again and again, nobody wakes up and decides that they want to be a junkie, an addict. And, um, you know, here he is. And he works very hard every day to try to get clean. And I think if people could understand a little bit about, about the struggle with addiction and realize that none of these people, I mean, maybe, maybe some people do, but honestly, 99% of these people, nobody wants to be an addict. So I want to uh, circle back to, uh, to how this really became kind of the perfect storm in South Florida. Um, so, Pat, if you could speak to how Obamacare kind of created that perfect environment to help, uh, you know, people, but yet at the same time, simultaneously help others kind of prey on them. Sure. I, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to set myself up. Up as a policy expert. But it comes out, it's discussed in the film, and you kind of cover it in the film through Ali in particular. Absolutely. In the film, we discuss how Obamacare came in. Uh, in the film, we discussed that Obamacare was signed into law with the best intentions in the world. And what Obamacare did is it basically designated uh, addiction as a disease. In this clip, Allie sums up the impact of ACA in Florida. Under federal law, your health insurance must cover mental and behavioral health. Because of the new laws, treatment boomed down in South Florida. That essentially opened up the money to allow people to go into treatment multiple times. In the past, most policies, you would only get to treatment, you know, one or two times a year. Um, With Obamacare, it basically said, look, we're going to give you enough treatment till we get it right. Yes, so it's no longer classified as a pre-existing condition. They could, you know, sign up for insurance, say, today, and go into rehab tomorrow. What happened is you saw a rush into treatment because people were going multiple times a year. And once that happened, Florida became the perfect breeding ground because Florida had the lax laws. It didn't have the heavy oversight. Um, And because of that, You know, people that were doing, you know, uh, business in nefarious ways, nefarious businesses were coming down and opening up uh, treatment centers and making billions, making millions and billions of dollars. And they they didn't look at your children as a way to help someone out. They looked at our children as as a person with a monetary figure over their head. They could be $30,000, $90,000, $120,000. As many times as they went to treatment, that treatment facility was making money. And so somewhere along the line, everybody caught on and realized this is a gold mine. This is, this is easy, fast cash. Florida became the wild, wild west. Um, now things are changing. You know, Dave Ehrenberg and his team, they've, you know, they're, they're, they're rewriting the way business is being done. They're saving lives. Uh, and you're seeing, you're starting to see a real turnaround down there. And it's, it's because of, Dave Ehrenberg and uh, his team. Dave Ehrenberg, Palm Beach County State Attorney, who heads up the Sober House Task Force in Palm Beach. But it, it's, it, it was just disgusting. It was disgusting to see firsthand 
how people were trying to profit off someone else's disease, to see firsthand how someone's trying to profit off of someone's struggle, off of someone's kid that just is dying to get help. And all these places are so expensive. It's not cheap. So there's another aspect of this exploitation that also came out in your film, and that is junkie hunters. Frankie and Allie were talking about them and uh, junkie hunters, and you know they made it clear that they're not, but there's a lot of them. Can you share with the listeners, what is a junkie hunter? A junkie hunter is a patient broker, is a bad marketer. Um, they basically would receive money for uh, admitting um, a person struggling with addiction into treatment. So they would get a kickback. You know, a junkie hunter is somebody that has no regard for human life in my eyes. Um, they, don't, they don't look at your loved ones as a sick or suffering uh, addict with a disease. They look at them as a paycheck. You know, everyone's a marketer. Everyone's a junkie hunter. If you're trying to get clients into treatment that have health insurance, I mean, that are currently using drugs, that's what you are. Everyone's doing the same thing. But how many people are going to the links to help people that have nothing? Now marketers are paid a uh, flat fee to basically promote that treatment facility. And what that has done, or what it intends to do, is basically kind of lessen the, um, the, the greed or the incentive for each individual to be admitted. admitted. But junkie hunters are are marketers, they're patient brokers, they're people that that are trying to make money off this illness, off this disease, off the people that are sick. And they don't have they don't have the best intentions. They they have no they, they, they're just trying to make money. Where Frankie and Allie, when they were helping people, um, Frankie and Allie when they help people, they help people regardless of what their insurance policy is. It's crazy. I mean, the, the film really tries to, to give you facts, and then it also tries to give you uh, an intimate look at what's going on uh, in the trenches and the front line. Allie, Allie's really good at explaining about um, the piss test, the gold rush. At the start of this, somebody somewhere realized that they can make a lot of money. And that's when the trouble came in. And that's why there was such a drug testing gold rush. That's what started Delray. And essentially, that that has changed a great deal in Florida. Um, but the idea of of the gold rush, the piss test, is that these treatment facilities, in order to monitor if someone was clean and that they were, you know, getting better they needed to do piss tests. And instead of you know, piss testing once a week, they're piss testing one, two, three, sometimes four times a week, anywhere between $3,000 and upwards to $5,000. That's insane. It was an abuse of the insurance policy. Just amazing that they were able to get away with that. Yeah. They got away from this, and it just seemed like you know, they're using, they're using you know, people struggling with addiction to pee in these cups, and they're making $3,500 each time they pee in this, in this cup. To test if they're they're using drugs. They they only had to do it once a week, but they would do it once, three times, five times a week, and they all got rich. So 
At times, Allie was very graphic, particularly when it came to what women were doing so that they could uh, get the funds to score their drugs. I, I just wonder if it was at times difficult to to know where to draw the line there and because it's really, she put it out there. You know, I, I think the whole world of addiction and you know, when you're faced with the reality of addiction, in that whole world, most people want to look away. You know, I, I think there's fear in truth. And, you know, when a person who's struggling with addiction takes a needle and plunges it into their vein, that's the truth. We can either look away or we can have an honest conversation. And Allie has been our guide, and so is Frankie, um, in this conversation to, to speak the truth. Um, you know, a lot of people want to look away when confronted with addiction. But we need to step out of the shadows. We need to, to shatter the stigma of addiction. And we need to start having an honest conversation or, or we're never going to have change. And I, I think one of the best things, American Relapse is really a story that speaks the language of those affected. Um, it speaks the language um, of the addicts, the friends, the family members. And it's coming from two people that really have been battling their whole lives. Um, and so when we see Allie go into graphic detail, is it for shock value? Sure. I mean, it's, it's basically, she's trying to tell you, she's trying to say to the world, this is what's happening. Listen up. I don't need to show you someone sticking a needle every time in their arm. Just listen to what I'm saying. And, um, I think if we work to really have an honest conversation, we need to speak the truth. We need to show what's happening. We need to, to not look away. And um, and then we can start to, to hopefully, you know, move the needle. So it's been somewhere in the neighborhood of two years, I think, since you wrapped shooting. Is that about right? Yeah. How are they doing? So we wrapped, we went down and shot in 2016, the week before Christmas. So it was the 19th, December 19th, we shot in 2016. Um, and, uh, it's, it, it's been a long journey. I mean, you know, we're basically an independent group of filmmakers. Um, and I can't say enough about my team, Adam, Lincoln can help the co-director and Terry, the producer and Dennis, the producer, and Greg Taylor, another camera operator. Um, we just finished shooting a project called 24 life where we fought people 24 hours before they were incarcerated. And, then at the end, you find out what um, they were going to prison for to understand a little bit about, um, you know, our priorities in life. And, and, you know, we finished that project. We went right into this with no money, really no support, and just wanting to tell this story. Um, it took a while to get done. Um, we, do, we do unscripted documentary series that are usually funded. This wasn't funded. This was, you know, my my wife um, <laughs> in EP Station at Peak, <laughs> and I put the hard cash up, but everything else was just uh, sweat and blood from the crew. And it's, you know, when you got a, a great team that want to tell an important story, it might take a little longer, but it's going to be worth it when it's done. I'm not sure if you're aware, but at, you know, following the uh, the film, we ended up doing uh, ten more uh, episodes. So we did ten one hours. Or Vice, uh, Vice, Vice's network called Viceland, 
And so we continued to tell that story. And we did 10 more one hours. It's a series called Dope Sick Nation. And it, it aired last fall. So, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time with, with some of those people, you know, Allie's, Allie's good friend, um, Kelly, you know, when we did the series, she got into treatment. She was in treatment again for 30 days. And the first day that she was out, she, she overdosed and passed, passed away. You know, it, it's just, uh, I think your point is, is, uh, is a very good one to these people that are struggling as soon as possible because there comes a point and I'm not an expert, but I, I start to see it again and again. It, there it comes a point where once they, they cross over, it's, the odds are so stacked against them, you know, as in Connors. And every once in a while you see that moment, that, that, that moment of clarity or that hope, and that little bit in their eye that says that they can make it. And I remember Frankie looking into Connor's eye and saying, I had that moment where I just saw his eye that, you know, he might make it, he, he can do this. And then the reality is he's, a, he's telling himself that story and, and then it's not going to work with Connor. Six months ago, we had the honor of meeting Connor. He went to the Haven Detox, got through that very successfully, went on to treatment. He was sober almost six months. Unfortunately, in this business, a lot of it has to do with financials, and uh, the treatment center he was in decided to drop these two young men off at, at a hotel. They must have got whatever they were getting immediately and most likely were deceased since Friday. You know, Connor, I know how much you wanted to change your life, and um, I really wish you were here to be able to do that and that you were out here standing with me talking about something totally different. We love you, sweetheart. No more pain. You're with your mom and dad. May you rest in heaven, sweetie. What do you want people to take away from American Relapse? I want people to take away from American Relapse is to not be ashamed about addiction. You know, to step out of the shadows um, of fear. And if you are battling with addiction, get help. Um, I want people to take away that we have a broken healthcare system, one that's built on, on fundamentally on fundamentally on greed. Um, I think we need a healthcare system overhaul. Um, I think we need to build empathy in our community for people that are struggling with addiction. And if we can build empathy and um, convey empathy, that's another step forward. Um, I'm really with American relapse. We just really desperately want to start a conversation that is truthful and honest about, um, the recovery, about the recovery rule. And I think that's what American relapse does. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pat. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate being on your show and, um, you know, doing some, some amazing work in memory of your son, Sam. And I think, you know, the work that you're doing now is going to impact so many people. So um, really, really thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it. We've been joined today by filmmaker Pat McGee, the producer of American Relapse. American Relapse is a compelling story of two recovering addicts who spend their lives pulling needles out of the arms of addicts 
and assist in placing them in reputable treatment facilities. It's really a gritty look into the real world of recovery in South Florida. I highly recommend this film. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for joining us for this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together, we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.